Good morning. This is a reading from a sermon by Davidson Lohr that he delivered on October 12, 1986, taken from The Nature of Religious Language by Paul Tillich in The Theology of Culture. David introduced the reading as follows. He said, the reading this morning comes from the work of Paul Tillich, probably the most, uh, probably the 20th century's greatest Protestant theologian and the one most worth the effort for liberals to get to know better. I have adapted the reading by adding some of my own words, he says, to make it more clear more quickly, but the insights and messages are all those of Paul Tillich. It's entitled, On the Life and Death of Symbols. Symbols open up hidden but profound levels of reality which cannot be grasped through precise words. These symbols occur in art, poetry, mythology, and religion. Moreover, symbols are double-edged. They not only open up levels of the world outside of us, but also levels of the soul, of our interior reality. The two must go together. Where do symbols get this entrance into our souls and culture? They are born there. To the people involved, something seems and feels profoundly right about using images of monsters or gods, sacrifice or communion, to express profound and powerful truths about the human situation and the yearning of the soul. Words, images, and actions become symbols only when the collective unconscious of a group says yes to them. They live in the substratum of consciousness and of culture in the foundations of our awareness. This is true of all symbols, but it is especially true of religious symbols. While they live, these symbols have a power and depth far surpassing any other form of human communication. While they live, religious symbols express the deepest dimensions of the human condition, both its fears and its insights, its timeless questions, and its provisional answers. But symbols do not live forever. They are born in a place and time, and they can die, though their spoken corpse may linger on for centuries. Their life hangs by a thread, which lets them connect the details of contemporary existence with the depths of the human situation. When this fragile relationship ends, then the symbols die. And then they become something quite different. They no longer point beyond themselves to a deeper reality. Instead, they point only to themselves. In that moment, they are no longer symbols, but mere idols. And idolatry is the slavish worship of dead symbols. This is the life cycle of a religious symbol. After a one-year interim ministry with Brooks Walker, the Ministerial Search Committee recommended Davidson Lohr to become a permanent minister. After his week of candidacy, the congregation voted 206 to 6 to engage him. He was finishing a doctorate in theology from the University of Chicago and People's Church was his first charge. David had a wonderful facility with words, and he attracted large audiences on Sunday mornings. He invited the children to participate 
in a part of the service which featured a children's story, usually written by him. And it mirrored the sermon to come. He also took part in a number of community activities, Torch Club, Speaking on Cable Access, WMUK, and K College, and participating in the Grace Luncheons with other local ministers. The parking lot became overly full on Sunday mornings, and a second lot was added. By his fifth year as minister, a second Sunday morning service was being held. David instituted evening presentations such as Bill Moyer's World of Ideas with local experts commenting on the films with audience participation. The Memorial Garden was landscaped. Many adult education classes were offered and well attended. And the whole committee structure was reorganized. People's people served in the community as mentors. They worked on Habitat for Humanity houses, sold candles for ministry of the community, and provided Christmas food and gifts for families in need. A fall board retreat in David's first year became an annual event. But by 1992, dissension was apparent. David believed that some parishioners sought to impair his freedom of the pulpit. Some of the congregation saw David as insensitive to their strongly held beliefs and pastoral needs. Over the next two years, surveys, discussions, and mediation talks resulted in the board requesting his resignation. He left in March of 1995, at which time some church members also resigned and formed another UU church in the area, the Unitarian Universalist Community Church of Portage. Fortunately, Fred Campbell became our interim minister for the following two years and proved to be the leader we needed to help us heal and move forward. Fred Campbell came into this situation as the interim minister in September of 1995, and he served for two years. During his ministry, a ministerial search committee was elected, and an aesthetic improvements committee started work on modifications to the foyer and the commons. With Fred's friendly, confident, plain-talking leadership style, many improvements were undertaken and achieved. These windows were added to the commons. The foyer was expanded outward in the angled style we enjoy now, with more windows and lighting and space for fellowship on Sundays. As a handyman, Fred built the risers 
that expand our stage outward and provide room for the choir. While Eric Pratt built the octagonal wood boxes that hold our candles and chalice, and Ellis Gottlieb created this current pulpit. Fred's wife settled into a job at Hoekstra's hardware store. While Fred conducted a very well-attended Four Faiths adult education course, comparing the answers to universal questions from the points of view of theists, mystics, humanists, and naturalists. Participants chose a group that resonated with them and took part in answering the questions and all discovered the great religious diversity that was present in our congregation. Fred worked with our financial health by establishing the endowment committee and procedures for the management of perpetual pledges and endowment funds. As Mary said, Fred helped the congregation regain its confidence, heal its wounds, and grieve its losses by rallying us around improving the building, by reading many pages written during the stressful period that preceded him, by being willing to listen patiently to everyone's stories, and being able to acknowledge to people the damage that some had incurred and by encouraging a spirit of togetherness in order to move forward. Fred left behind many lasting contributions, including the use of arnica for bruising injuries incurred by members of our people's softball team playing in the city league. In 1998, People's Search Committee selected and recommended to the congregation Jill McAllister become the next settled minister. Her engagement was overwhelmingly improved. Final plans for were also implemented for the building renovations at the time, and services needed to be held at the Temple Bay Nile Israel during construction. In September of 1998, Jill McAllister became began her pastorate. It was a momentous year with a new minister, a new RE director, and a renovated building. A new mission statement was adopted. Jill and her young family attracted others of her age group, and the number of children in the church school increased. She introduced the Sunday morning centering service. Summer Sunday morning services were started in 1999 and continued to the present. During the next year, People's Church formed a partnership with two Transylvania churches. And People's Church, YRUU, paid a visit to those churches in Romania. There was a return visit by the minister of those churches to Kalamazoo. And such visits have become annual occurrences. An extensive kitchen remodeling was designed, completed, and celebrated Jill served as president of the International Council of Unitarians and Universalists and attended meetings in Transylvania, Germany, and Montreal that year. Several fundraisers have been instituted each year, including a Christmas bazaar, a service auction, and others to supplement the funds raised through the annual canvas. 
Dennis McCarty was engaged as an intern minister during 2002-2003 church year with Jill supervising his internship. A food pantry was established in the church as part of our countywide network of serving needy people. Um, Jill supervised another intern, Karen Quinlan, from 2010 to 2012. To back up, People's Church celebrated their 150th anniversary back in 2005. In March 2013, Reverend Jill McAllister, the settled minister of People's Church for 15 years, announced that she would be leaving People's Church to begin a new ministry in Corvallis, Oregon. Much has been accomplished during Jill's time at People's. The religious education program has grown and a new addition was built on the building to accommodate that growth. The church has become highly involved in community organizations such as Isaac. For its social justice efforts, the church was awarded the 2012 Bennett Award from the Unitarian Universalist Association. The church began and continues to work to keep the congregation and community informed about anti-racism anti-oppression, multicultural work visit via its Aramac committee. Good morning. I'm Zoe Vallette, and I'm going to take this opportunity to introduce myself to you as the newest member of the transition team, as well as a member of this congregation. And I apologize in advance if my voice does something weird. We're fighting a cold in our house, so it's been a little creaky. I've been attending People's Church for a long time. I see people out there who have definitely attended longer than I, but I've still been here a long time. My parents actually met in this church at a singles group hosted by this church, Interactions, for any of you real old-timers. So you could accurately say that I've been attending here since before birth. (laughs) I have a lot of memories from here, and when the transition team started planning this service, I asked if I might be able to share a few germane memories with you as part of it. I was very little when Roger Greeley was still the settled minister. We, the kids, weren't allowed in the commons for any part of the service regularly back then. But I have two main memories of him and of that time period. I remember the giant gray screen that used to be right there that would come alive on special occasions with these amazing montages, uh, beautiful slides, often pictures taken by Dave Curl, set to music. And I especially remember the holiday montage that Pat Pratt put together. It was set to a Sophia Foss poem. And the repeating line was that each night a child is born is a holy night. I also remember Roger dressing up as Santa. And the high schoolers would come prancing in in a little harness, all ringing jingle bells and wearing antlers. And Roger would climb down from a trap door up there on a rope ladder in a Santa suit and proceed after church to give out presents to all of the younger children present. 
I was still very little when Brooks Walker came. I don't remember a lot about him. I remember he had a love for the auto harp, which lives on. There is still an auto harps group that meets roughly monthly to make music, share in fellowship. Mostly what I remember about his time is the feeling, the sense that he was beloved and that he truly cared. I remember more about Davidson Lore, both as a person and about his tenure. When he started, it felt like a jolt of enthusiasm, an infusion of youthfulness. We, the children, became more of a presence in the Sunday services. As mentioned, he started uh, telling stories, story time for children. These were fantastical stories, uh, really elaborate tales. They were rich with lots of detail, and there were usually recurrent themes and storylines. One little detail that became a family joke were the raspberry garlic popsicles and the chocolate onion candy bars, which were possibly the strangest flavor combinations that a seven-year-old brain could comprehend. He also started the tradition of children lighting the chalice at the beginning of service, and this was a very big responsibility. You would get a postcard in the mail telling you it was your Sunday, and you were expected to show up early to practice. If you did not show up early to practice, it was important enough that you were not allowed. I remember rehearsing plays that included the whole RE program. All of us would perform on a certain given Sunday, and they were always related to the services that had been happening. I also remember things he did that bothered people, the decline before he left, and the acrimonious nature of his departure. One of my best friends left the church during this time. Her parents, like many others, were driven away, and I missed my Sunday friend. Fred Campbell felt like a steadying presence. I remember him drawing wisdom from Winnie the Pooh, but mostly I remember a congregation trying to get back together and get on their feet once again and figure out where they were headed. I'd already finished high school and left the area when Pete Peterson became the interim minister and when Jill McAllister was called. I became familiar with her when I returned home for vacations and later when I moved back here and joined the church as an adult. The church I returned to as an adult was different, but vibrant. Sermons felt accessible, and Jill made it a point to greet everyone and form relationships with all who desired. And, of course, I met my husband here. <laughs> Throw that in there. So... What are the common threads and lessons learned? We keep going. We pick ourselves up, look around, try to figure out what happened, and how to best move forward. We as a congregation are greater than the sum of our parts. We are not defined by a particular minister, and we pull together as we journey forward. We don't have all the answers, but we keep searching.
On behalf of the congregation, I would like to say thank you to the transition team for the readings that you brought. And a special thank you, Zoe, for stepping up and uh, accepting the call to join this team. And already with uh, uh, the many meetings we seem to have uh, for the transition team, uh, Zoe, your input has been extremely valuable. And may others of a, uh, shall we say, younger generation uh, uh, keep an eye open for where you think you could see yourself fitting in and making special contribution in this way. Your contributions will be welcome. <laughs> 